Hey guys, Toby in the editing room here. Sorry there was no episode last week. JT's moved to Korea, so we're still trying to figure out this long-distance podcasting thing. There's a few kinks in this episode, but hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be able to get back to the high-quality audio that you guys are used to. On with the episode. Hello! And welcome to welcome. the first long distance episode of Rules is Written. <laughs> Our hearts are now far as far away from each other as they are from you. Oh, that's actually quite sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad moment. It's our first long distance episode. It's okay, we're making it work. Let's jump into it. We've, we've covered uh, barbarians, we've covered bardic colleges. Today, we're starting part one of the cleric domains. Yeah, so this is one of the oldest classes in D&D, therefore it has one of the most the most diverse selections of domains to choose from. Yeah, there is there's a lot to tuck in here. It's all kind of centered around your channel divinity. A lot of these come from they affect your channel divinity and stuff, but there's a few other things. So JT, what are domains exactly? Like what's the flavor and fluff behind domains? So each domain is kind of like the pantheon of gods that you worship mm. and each pantheon has their own kind of genre of what their what their divine domain is so for example if you worship the god of knowledge then all of the powers they bestow upon you will be knowledge based uh. um, or the gods of light or dark etc they use the term because you could one god can be a god of multiple things and they use the term portfolio. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to choose something out of your god's portfolio. <laughs> so the example they give is Apollo can be the god of knowledge, life or light. So you got to choose one of those. Yeah, I like the kind of imagery of going through your god's like Squarespace site and trying to determine like <laughs> how much they jive with you that's a good one uh we should make that yeah like a cleric help find your cleric domain <laughs> thing you're a programmer boy you can whip that Just, up quick it's like tinder tinder for gods <laughs> yeah but for gods so the first one is the knowledge domain now this one is kind of like you become a detective essentially they, every domain comes with a list of spells so that will help you in your quest. The knowledge domain comes with command, identify, augury, suggestion, non-detection, speak with the dead, arcane eye, confusion, legend lore, and scrying. So it's really all about learning new things, right? Speak with the dead, identify, arcane eye, scrying, legend lore. These are all really knowledge focused. Yeah, and actually, each couple of spells that you get at each level seem to be kind of complementary in a way where I'm sensing a theme. Like, one is manipulative, and one is usually, like, investigative. One will tell you information, one, like, will yeah. manipulate information. This is a roleplay heavy call, so I can see this being great for a, like, Cthulhu-themed game. Oh, yeah. Where there's a mystery... Yeah, you can make something very noir. Yeah, so the cleric, um, I'm imagining like the cleric Blade Runner. <laughs> That's great. Look into this machine. <laughs> so at first level, 
you get this at first level. You gain two languages of your choice and two skills out of Arcana, History, Nature, or Religion. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any check you make that uses either of those skills. So you get two super skills at level one, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of similar to expertise, like built into it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you gain expertise in these two. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's, it's a good solid base, right? I mean, you're always going to be using skills and stuff, but I think this really goes to show that this is not a combat class. Yeah, and I like that it it's not strictly, like, investigation, although they do have, like, Arcana listed as one. Mm. It sounds like these are abilities that are maybe more tangential to getting information that rely on, like, having an extensive knowledge about a general subject instead of just strict noir detective style. So at second level, when you get your Channel Divinity, you get a Channel Divinity you can use here. This is the one that comes with Turn Undead. So as a cleric, you get Turn Undead automatically at level two. With this, you also get Knowledge of the Ages. JT. Yeah, so for 10 minutes, you have proficiency with the chosen skill or tool. It's pretty dope. I mean, you can only use your Channel Divinity once like a long rest at this point later it becomes twice and eventually three times but getting a free skill i mean that that fills a lot of gaps especially since you already probably have like six skills already yeah um although i'm not sure how exactly i mean channel divinity especially at level two i think you only have one that you can use per day yeah you do so to use that on a 10 minute proficiency seems a little bit um maybe not exactly what you want to get out of that i think it's nice to have right like it, it's a it's a decent thing it does remind me of the bard the college of law bard Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, this reminds... You become a kind of jack-of-all-trades. Yeah. Although, what is majorly different is you can get proficiency in a tool. And I think that's pretty underrated. Like, any tool. You need to, like, cut a gem to pass it off as something else that you've stolen. You now have proficiency in that check. Right. Like, there's, there's tons of times that tools come up. And it's... People forget about them. People don't try and get more tool proficiencies, and you normally only start with one or none sometimes. So being able to be essentially proficient in every tool is is good. I think that's the real skill here. Like, you only get one, maybe two at a push tool proficiencies, and some classes and builds get none at all. So being able to be proficient in any tool at any time yeah and i mean if you want more inspiration about like what you can do with tools i mean we had a whole episode on downtime activities where we went into depth about the kinds of things that tools could be helpful for yeah that's the whole thing so keep keep an eye on this look out for times when you could be using tools because there's more of them than you would first think Next up, we have Read Thoughts. You can use your Channel Divinity to read a creature's thoughts. Um, it's like that spell that I've forgotten the name of. You choose a creature within 60 feet of you. They take a Wisdom Saving Throw. If it succeeds, you can't use this feature on it again for a long rest. They become immune to it until you have a long rest. But if it fails, you can read the surface thoughts 
and you can cast suggestion on that creature for free without expending a spell slot and it auto fails that so you if you just need to succeed one throw or it needs to fail one throw more yeah that is pretty cool does the creature know whether or not you're reading its mind it doesn't say i would say no because the other the other spells explicitly say that they do right yeah like other spells like this say that they become aware that it's been cast on them but i don't know i mean maybe you could say that it like the spirit of it is that they should like because all the others do i think there's an argument for either way here to be honest yeah get your rules lawyers out <laughs> yeah uh, i guess i mean like it doesn't explicitly say argue in the comments <laughs> <laughs> Rules as written or rules as intended? Rules as implied. I know the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good ability, though. Yeah, this is something that is always kind of useful. Like, you're always going to want to see like anything from guard patrols, trying to find out which way they're going to walk next, something as simple as that, through to if you're on trial, finding out what the judge is thinking. These are all... Yeah. This is a very wide use case. Yeah, and I think that it's also very interesting from... I think that as we'll continue to see from this Divine Domain, that this is much more of a storyteller-heavy kind of path to take. And I think that its rewards are in like yeah the different angles that you can approach the story yeah. that you're playing through. It's quite manipulation-heavy. Information manipulation. Using the information you have and giving you the tools to manipulate people through that information. Yeah. Then at 8 level, you add your wisdom modifier to the damage that you deal with any cleric cantrip. Yeah, that's good. That means you do more damage. I don't know. It feels a bit weird to have in this one, to be honest. Like... Super weird. Yeah, I mean, it totally breaks the kind of theme. Yeah, if you could double your wisdom modifier to the DC of your enchantment spells, that might make a bit more sense to me. Like, that feels a bit more right, but also that's a bit more complicated. So maybe they just went with this for ease of use. But you're not really dealing that much damage, right? I guess it helps in a pinch. It makes you not as vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, for sure, this is something that might just be there because you might just feel left out out of fights normally without it but it's definitely out of theme yeah but eighth level's quite late to begin yeah for sure not sure about this one it's yeah. super super weird but yeah next up visions of the past at 17th level you can hold an object and you get information about that object's past you can either read the object or read the aura so you can find out more about the object who owned it how they lost it how they acquired it or you can see visions of your immediate vicinity like if your object is the room kind of thing you can see a number of days equal to your wisdom score which should really be 20 at 17th level to be honest you spend a minute meditating you learn one significant event and you can keep meditating, really. And for every minute you meditate, you find another significant event. So this is very cool to me for a lot of reasons. One of which being that 
this is one of the only examples where you use your ability score and not your modifier to determine something. <laughs> yeah, I mean the other the other classic one is like carrying capacity. That's off your strength yeah. score, but it doesn't come up often, does it? Really not. It really, really doesn't. Yeah, so you kind of have to double check that, right? <laughs> the second thing is that yeah. this reminds me a lot of a game called something like Mystery on the Oberdeen, and it's a game. Yes. Oh, you you played the, it. Yeah, where well, you got to find out the past. I haven't played it, but I know it. It's it's on my Steam list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it reminds me a lot like that because it's like a it's like a degree of separation investigation. So you find like the first most immediate thing, which in this case is like an object that you hold, right? Mm. And then once you go into that, right, you're going into more information on this object. You now have access to the next degree of separation to a previous owner, which can be a super cool storytelling mechanic. You can write a whole game. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, right? With this <laughs> example I'm giving, you can write yeah. a whole game on this concept. I mean, you've got to have a DM that's on it, though, right? You've got to have a DM that's willing to oh, play in a sure. lot of time and stuff. But that could be really yeah, satisfying it, to pull off. Very complicated. Mm. Yeah. This will require, like, little strings with red pushpins. <laughs> That's the knowledge domain. It's it's very roleplay heavy, right? It's very lore heavy. It's very kind of manipulation, finding out knowledge, and giving you the tools to apply that knowledge. Yeah. The potential to be very rewarding for a story-heavy game. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Although, if you do come into combat, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you add that wisdom modifier to deal with <laughs> any extra damage. Hide behind the barbarian. <laughs> so the next domain is the life domain. This is about healing and stuff. And I think this is by far the most pure cleric class. Iconic. Yeah, this is this is this yeah. is D first edition cleric right here. This is what they're trying to call back to. And you can tell that it's this because of the first ability you get. At level one, when you choose this domain, you gain proficiency in heavy armor. Now that is not like most games where the healer is quite weak and you've got to protect the healer. They're only wearing like cloth armor. You're at the front, you're smashing face and you're healing faces too. <laughs> I protect and I smash. <laughs> <laughs> so this um also comes with a load of spells like they all do you get a load of spells with each domain this one comes with bless cure wounds less restoration spiritual weapon which is nice beacon of hope revivify death ward guardian of faith mass cure wounds and raise dead yeah for when it one, really goes to shit yeah that one really <laughs> raises an eyebrow for me <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love that they're just like well if it comes to it we can fix the ultimate <laughs> raise dead no, no no it's not like it's not like a um zombie one i don't think they literally come back to life. Okay. I mean, I don't, I'm trying, I'm struggling yeah, yeah, yeah. to find the difference. Well, uh, so it's not like you raise a zombie. Mm. Um, it's you return the soul to the body. So it returns to life with one hit point. Oh, got you. Okay. Maybe that sounds a little bit holier in maybe like a biblical sense than <laughs> strict. Yeah. This spell closes all mortal wounds, but doesn't restore missing body parts. 
Okay, right. Yeah. Coming back from the dead is an ordeal. The target takes a minus four penalty to all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks until, like, you have four long rests. You minus one for each long rest. But yeah, it's your classic healer stuff. Yeah. Um, I also misread Death Ward as Death Wand and was very interested in that. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like most of these oh, are strictly strictly the healer archetype of spells that tells you everything you need to know about this divine domain i think yeah but you are going to be smashing face a little bit as we'll get into in a second but before that disciple of life uh, your healing spells are more effective straight up you gain an additional two plus the spells level hit points whenever you use a spell so if you're using cure wounds you get an extra three hp just for being a thing. If you're using Masculine Wounds, I think everyone gets an extra 11. Because it's a level 9 spell plus 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I mean, that's pretty great. Masculine, I mean, you're getting, in a big party, you're getting an extra, like, 44, 55, like, HP out of this one ability. That's stonk. <laughs> yeah, strong stonks. I think that that definitely designates you <laughs> as like, you know, the, you are now the group medic. <laughs> yeah, you are, you're very much pigeonholed. But I mean, sometimes that's fun. It can really make you uh, a much more potent fighting force because the cleric does it better than almost anything else. I mean, healing spells aren't as good as you would think in D&D. It is quite a bit of a brutal game, but the the cleric can just dish out the hp like nothing else yeah it could be a game changer if you have something like this in a combat heavy game especially yeah and even your first channel divinity preserve life you use it and you gain hit points equal to five times your cleric level i mean when you're starting off how, how much hp do you have between like sometimes five and like 20 you're that's already a quarter of someone's hp and at level two that's half of someone's HP, for the most part. Yeah, and that's at second level. So, yeah, very early on, you become a very effective healer. It also comes with some flexibility, because you can choose as many creatures as you want and divide those hit points amongst them. It's kind of like the paladins lay on hands. Ah, uh, right, I remember we talked about that, and that can be kind of like an economy of mm. healing, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Hope you like numbers. <laughs> I mean, some people like it, right? Yeah. I do. I do enjoy playing a healer, to be honest. It is quite fun because you've got a very defined purpose, like, and it's a very important purpose. You're always in need. You're always wanted and you're good at what you do. It's quite nice to play. Them. Yeah, especially because, I mean, you're proficient in heavy armor with this domain. I mean, you're you're nothing to scoff at. Like you go in there and you <laughs> you you hit. You hit stuff. It's, yeah. I mean, the cleric also is really focused on personal survivability, not just like, oh, the party has to protect you. However you feel about that from a gameplay design. At level sixth, you get Blessed Healer. When you cast a first level or higher that restores hit points to a creature other than you, you regain hit points equal to two plus the spell's level. So you basically get to cash in on the Disciple of Life, the first level thing as well. Yeah, I think that this one is maybe the the kind of a turning point maybe for your healing because now you have a reward that's personal to you whenever you heal somebody. So it makes a lot of sense to, mm. like, even if you're very combat-centric and you want to be in the fray, 
that you can still do, like you have um, different ways that you can both heal and attack things, and you can take damage and also give healing, and this is a way where you can kind mm. of justify both worlds. This also works in tandem with Divine Strike, like being able to be at the front lines, because now you are dishing out a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like that ability that we were making fun of with the knowledge domain, where you can just add your wisdom modifier to cleric cantrips. <laughs> this is maybe the actual more serious version of that. Also at 8th level, you can now do an extra 1d8 radiant damage whenever you make a weapon attack. Yeah. And at 14th level, it scales to 2d8. And that's just every... You're just doing an extra 2d8. Like, for all your attacks. This this makes you a, a decent damage output. It's not like you're attacking when everyone's at full HP because you've got nothing else to do. It's like, now you are dishing out the pain. Yeah, I mean, that's super sweet, right? Most, like, damage that you can get is with something like a great battle axe or something like that. You get, like, a d12, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, clerics can only use simple weapons. So a d8 is almost another weapon. But yeah, a D8 is an extra two weapons. I mean, these are kind of extra attack. Especially with two D8s, that's the equivalent of having an extra attack, I think, with other bonuses and stuff. Yeah, I was wondering, do you get martial weapons from races? Like, no. dwarf or something? No. Okay, it must have just not been a thing. Alright, then like in all likelihood, it, you just have a simple weapon. I mean, that can still be up to a D8. Yeah. And it makes more sense to give you like an extra D8. And lastly, we have Supreme Healing. This Supreme is dope. Healing. This is brilliant. Whenever you roll, whenever you roll dice to heal, you always roll the top. Like you no longer roll dice. You just heal the maximum amount. Yeah, this makes math a lot easier as well because you're dealing with the exact same numbers no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is this is crazy. This is crazy good. <laughs> yeah, critical success all the time. Like, no more do you roll, like, three ones or something. It's okay, now you're always healing. Especially with, like, mass cure wounds or something, the amount of healing that you're getting out, like, the raw, the raw numbers, is just brilliant. Yeah, I think that this kind of makes it a little bit more video game-esque as well, because in most games that we're familiar with, we're used to having healing be a, a consistent amount, yeah. be something that's more of a standardized thing. Just just to like frame of reference the numbers, Mass Cure Wounds is 3d8s on up to 6 creatures. So, I mean, you're on an average rolling a 4 or 5, you're getting like 12, let's say, health per person, plus your spellcasting ability modifier. Yeah. I mean... This is way better than that. Already you're getting 24 per person, and this only compounds with having more people that you're healing. Yeah, and then you combine that with Blessed Healer, so you get 2 plus the spells level on yourself, and uh, the Disciple and of Life, <laughs> right? Where you get an additional <laughs> for, for the creature, too. Oh my god, no one dies anymore. Yeah, no yeah. One. <laughs> yeah, I can see pretty easily how you can do some pretty freaking serious healing on people pretty easily. Change oh, the tides of battle. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. So that's the cleric. 
Yeah. So those are the first two divine domains that we have for you right now. Come back next time. We'll be going through light and nature. And as always, we love you very much. And just because we're apart for now doesn't make that any different. <laughs> we love you equally. <laughs> Um, you can help me get out of sleeping in my car by singing <laughs> to us on Patreon. <laughs> I'm not actually sleeping in my car, like, but no one donate because you feel bad. Um, yeah, he, help he us out on Patreon. A, he just has a written. It's worse. It's worse. <laughs> I curl think. up in the footwell <laughs> like a stray cat. <laughs> Rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's always helpful. Yeah, and send us your love and feedback and devotions of commitment to tobiaruleswritten.show.com and visit us on our website to get more information on the show notes and find out more about our show at ruleswritten.show.com. Awesome. Until next time, guys, take care. Goodbye. Bye.